We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we living? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, and we are coming to you live on a Wednesday afternoon on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Torres to preview this week's game, number 15 Oregon against the Portland State Vikings. But I'm not rolling solo on today's episode. I am joined by Zach Neal, the publisher of USA Today's Ducks Wire and the host of the Scoing Long podcast. Zach, man, how we doing? Thanks for being here. I'm doing great, man. Having a lot of fun, getting really, uh, really jacked for the season. It's finally here. We've been doing, you know, practice reports and all of this kind of boring stuff over the last month. And we're finally in game week. We're finally a few days away from actual competition mattering. So it feels really good. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's it's fun to to see what uh maybe we won't see too much of it this week, but you know who's real and you know what we can actually say with some confidence uh, about this Oregon team. Um, but yeah, super stoked to have you on the show. Um, and we're gonna do some previewing of this week's game and then uh, have a score prediction. Um, but just wanted to start things off on on kind of a fun note. Um, I don't know how many people know. I know you do a great job, so you have a great audience yourself. But Zach is actually from Eugene, uh, and I wanted to ask you, you know, as someone who grew up in Eugene and then now covers the team, what's that experience been like for you, and and what do you enjoy the most about it? It's been awesome, man. I mean, this this job is kind of a a dream come true a little bit. I grew up, like you said, in Eugene, went to South Eugene High School, went to the U of O bunch of journalism school at Oregon and then, you know, kind of made my way through several different jobs and, and found a job covering the Ducks, which, um, you know, I, if you were to tell me in high school that this is what I was going to be doing, someone who wanted to be a sports journalist and then say that I'd be covering the Ducks for USA Today, it's, you know, it really is a dream come true. So it's kind of weird because, you know, as a journalist, you want to have your your unbiased hat on and, and look at things from a unbiased perspective but you know at some point at some points it is difficult because I have been a lifelong fan of this team I really you know I'm rooting for their success obviously um as that you know that fan inside of me and then also just for our you know our jobs we want them to be successful so we can be propped up and have a a, um you know a bit of a more lucrative job too so um yeah it's it's been a ton of fun I, I love what I do right on right on so um yeah we are on a Wednesday afternoon, Lanning just got finished talking with, with you guys out in Eugene, just 
super, super riveting stuff, like all the details you could possibly want. My God. I mean, you think the guy is about to play for a national championship, but uh, maybe we could just dive into it from there. Just any takeaways from today and kind of start to preview this game. No, none at all. I mean, at this point, I was talking to a couple of guys, you know, Eric Scopel, Jared Max, Jared Denny. We're talking before the interviews. Like, I have nothing to ask him. I mean, it's at this point, we're just like, all right, we've talked to him twice a week for the past, I think, four or five weeks without really much to see, much new to see. Um, just finally kind of looking towards the game at long last. But, you know, it's not like they're going up against Georgia like last year. Like, all due respect to Portland State. This isn't a team that I think is going to give Oregon a lot of trouble. I know we'll get into this later with the game preview, but there's not a ton to ask about. So, um, you know, he he said all the coach landing things. He's very buttoned up in front of the media. Says we're, you know, we asked him, how do you define success in this game when you're playing someone that you're supposed to be? He's like, you know, we're, we're going out there to win. Like, that's how we define success. It's like, okay, yeah, I, I expect you to say that, but um, it's, you know, we just, like I said earlier, we just can't wait to finally get to Saturday and see something because – we still have so many questions about this team. We have not been able to see a ton of practice, so we don't really know too much about a depth chart. Who's playing where? Um, how do these young guys look? You know, we, we've heard stories. We've heard some good quotes from which is we finally get to see. So, yeah, as far as getting too many takeaways from Lane today, I, I don't know if you expected any, but you definitely didn't get any. Yeah, definitely didn't get any. Um, we are still kind of monitoring a, a couple of guys' health as we inch our way closer to kickoff here. Um, the most notable ones being offensive lineman Nashad Struther and then um, linebacker Justin Jacobs, uh, two guys that have missed some time and and definitely project to have uh, pretty big roles for the Ducks. Certainly Jacobs, I think, is more of a certainty than Struther, but we're still waiting to see what Terry's offensive line looks like, but tons of really good pieces there. Um, I put out a tweet. This would be maybe a fun place to start with this preview and kind of get into this, Zach. Put out a tweet yesterday asking Oregon fans what they thought the biggest question mark was on uh, this year's team. Um, and I think what I said was the secondary, which may have been too quick of a response, but I'm super curious to see what that group looks like and then get some of your uh, thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I mean, the secondary, like I said, there's there's so many things that we need to see. The secondary is absolutely one of them. I know one of the top answers is the offensive line, too, just because we need to see how they gel. We need to see who plays where. I mean, there's there's p- position battles at left guard and right guard, I think. Um, I think you feel pretty confident that JPJ, Jackson Powers Johnson, is the center. Um, Josh Connolly, left tackle, and Johnny Cornelius at right tackle. But left guard, right guard, still up for grabs. With the you know injury to Nashad Struther, I think that Marcus Harper will probably start at left guard. Um, I, I don't think Struther is going to play at all this weekend. I don't think that you know Oregon doesn't really need him to play. You don't you want to keep him healthy. The same goes for Justin Jacobs, who you know I also really want to see how the linebackers play. But I think the thing that I'm most curious to see is at least in the early going to this game when they've got all their starters out there. I want to see that wide receiver rotation, and I want to see who starts on the field for them. We obviously know that Troy Franklin's going to be out there, but you know, is it Tez Johnson and Chris Hudson with him? How much does Treshawn Holden get in there? Where is Gary Bryant going to play? Is Tyler Casper going to get there, get in there at all? Jurion Dickey, he showed some some really good stuff in practice. We've heard some great stuff. How big of a role is he going to get at least? Uh, maybe early on in this game, I assume he's going to play a lot in the second half, um, as a lot of freshmen are. But, um, you know, there's there's a ton of things to look at. I'm probably the most curious about the receivers, though. 
Okay, yeah, we can we can stay there for a second. I think the wide receiver group is certainly an interesting one because it is overflowing, might be a good word, with talent. I mean, th- this wide receiver room is possibly the deepest that we've ever seen at Oregon. I haven't – I started following the team in high school back in like 2012, 2013, so um, I will admit that I'm a little bit, uh, you know, outside the, the bigger window here, but – Man, this room is stacked with guys. Uh, we talked about Kyler Casper, who I think is one of the guys who really flies under the radar. Six foot six, 207 pounds. The, the dude was in total mismatch in high school, but he did reclassify and get to Eugene a year early. Maybe that's why we didn't see too much of him last year. But yeah, I think the question really is what does this room look like outside of Troy Franklin? I think him and maybe Chris Hudson are kind of the only sure things that you know of right now. But there's a pretty big gap, I think I would say, between Troy and Chris because, you know, Troy's being talked about as a a first-round draft pick potentially, Bolitnikov award finalist. But I think Gary Bryant Jr. is going to have a bigger role than a lot of people maybe think. And then we also know that – we all know that Tez Johnson is going to have a big role because of his connection with Bo. I mean, why would you not tap into that? And then Treshawn Holden, uh, you know, wasn't crazy productive at Bama, but I think he's really going to be a good piece of that room for Junior Adams. Yeah, I think so. I think what intrigues me the most about Treshawn is that he brings kind of a body type that they don't really have in that receiver room right now. I mean, Troy Franklin's tall, but he's still a little bit lengthy. Um, Tez Johnson, pretty small, but but so quick. Same with Gary Bryant. Same with Chris Hudson as well. But Treshawn is he's tall and he's thick. He's going to fill more of that, you know, kind of chase Coda role a little bit last year. He's going to be more of a possession receiver, I feel. Um, but I, you know, I... I would. I just can't wait to finally see them play. We got a little bit of it in the spring game, but that's the spring game. How much can you really take away from that? So, um, yeah, I, I think that there's. It's going to be interesting to see how they utilize him in this new offense. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely a get it and go kind of guy. Um, but we'll let's see, like, kind of what other what other skills does he have to his game? You know, it's not just speed. Uh, and how is his body going to hold up throughout the course of a season? I mean, I'm not just saying that because he's small. Like, it is a, a, a legitimate question to ask. I think he was listed at 160 pounds. Um, so yeah. I haven't seen him in person myself, but I think you'd probably say he's not the the bulkiest guy. Yeah, he's he's pretty small. I think he was 160 or 165. Yeah, he's he's someone that could stand to put on some pounds, but, you know, he, he also needs to keep his speed and his quickness. So um, I understand why he might want to stay where he is. Definitely, definitely. So let so that's your biggest uh, question mark or thing you're most curious about is that wide receiver room. We know it's going to be good, but how good and who's going to have these roles, how big of a role. Um, so let's try to dive into Portland State a little bit or just at least this game. Uh, we're both in agreement as far as we think this is a game that Oregon should win. They should dominate. Um, but a good place to start with any opponent is their quarterback. Uh, because Portland State does return their quarterback from a year ago. They went four and seven last year, so nothing to write home about necessarily. But um, I think we're talking about uh, Dante Chacheri. Is that how? I definitely, I definitely butchered that. I feel like I'm, I'm on their site right now trying to find the the name pronunciation. But I think that's their guy. He's a, yeah, a returning is. guy, six three, two hundred pounds, uh, junior. Um, didn't have like a crazy statistical season, just under 2000 yards, 19 touchdowns against eight picks, uh, 60% completion. But he also, he led the team, uh, in rushing yards for 609 yards and seven touchdowns. So I think from that perspective, 
if you're looking at what Oregon can get out of this matchup is, is a good look at a dual threat guy, uh, because that's something you're certainly going to need if you want to be a, a solid defensive front is some good discipline and, and a group that's able to, to contain the quarterback. Yeah. It feels like, I think the real goal for Oregon going into this game is, you know, you, you want to lock down their quarterback and make sure that he doesn't have any major plays against you and doesn't really beat you with his legs. He's someone who has that dual threat capability. He can pass it, he can run it, but um, you know, it's, it's about limiting mistakes for Oregon this weekend. They're Lanning always said last year, he said this year too, that their opponent isn't the other team. Their opponent is themselves and they want to make sure that they don't have pre-snap penalties. They don't have holding penalties. They don't really hurt themselves in the game anywhere. So um, I think that this is a really good um, first game of the year for them rather than like Georgia last year where they can get out and they can get some of the rust out from the season and make sure that, you know, you got a really big second week, a really big game two here against Texas Tech. So you need to make sure that you're really ready for that and really flowing um, in all parts of the game and clicking on all cylinders and make sure you're not hurting yourself. So I don't want to, to disrespect Portland State at all, but I'm I honestly I'm not too focused on them this week because it's I, I'm so focused on all the questions about the Ducks. I know they've got a few players here and there could actually be can be decent and, and pose a little bit of a test. But um, if Oregon comes out and, and it's taking care of what they need to and not hurting themselves at all, then this should be absolutely no contest. Yeah, I completely agree. I think let's stay on that point for a second, not beating yourself. Um, I think that's something that is obviously incredibly important, but it, it doesn't really feel to me like that's something that Oregon has really excelled at compared to some of those top teams in college football the past couple years. I mean, I even think back to the 2019 season, which is the best season that we have to look at in recent memory for the Ducks. But j- just talk to me a little bit about what you think kind of goes into that. Obviously, it's discipline and, and knowing your assignments, but it's just so interesting to me because Oregon has shot itself in the foot so much in the past. It's just, it doesn't feel like something that should be happening. Yeah. It also has a lot to do with cohesion as well. I mean, I think that it got a little bit better under landing last year and that's not saying that, I mean, no offense to landing. That's not to say that landing had anything to do with it really. I mean, I want to talk more about like offensive line, pre-snap penalties, false starts, um, you know, holdings, delay games, pre-snap penalties like that. Oregon is such an experienced offensive line last year, and they played together so much that I think that we just they were just comfortable playing together, and they didn't really have those mistakes as much as we saw the years prior with Mario Cristobal. Um, but when you look at this new unit, I mean, you got four new starters, potentially five new starters at some point once Strother comes back if he beats out Harper for that starting left guard job. But um, that's really what I want to see this game is how do they work as a unit together? That's where they can really iron it out this week against Portland state, work on those pre-snap cadences, those calls, getting the right protections, make sure there's no false starts, limited holding, stuff like that. Just as long as they're on the same page and can actually look really clean as a unit. I think that you're, you're in a really good spot going into week two against Texas tech. Yeah, being on the same uh, page, cohesion, two really big things that are going to help the Ducks accomplish that. And one of the cooler parts that I think doesn't really get talked about a whole lot just about this team, and maybe it's because we're always trying to pry the the latest updates out of Lanning, um, are um, the, the team building and what these guys do off the field. Um, just by seeing pictures and videos of you know what they're doing, fun stuff. We got team dinners or, or whatever it is, hanging out at Lanning's house. I think that that's like an angle of the stories that I would really love to cover, but like you're not going to get access like that unless you're probably, you know, 
literally working for the university, but um, maybe we could talk about that a little bit and just how I think that's really helped this team and, and Dan Lane and the coaching staff just really, really mesh and really bond together is just the, the connection that they've been able to form off the field because it's important. You're not going to have a great connection on the field if, if you're not, you know, knowing these guys kind of inside and out off the field. Yeah, I think that's really important. And it's, it's a facet of the game and a facet of the team. that's just so hard to quantify, you know, cause that's, there's no stats for how much you love your teammate and how much you care about your teammate. But when it gets to crunch time, I mean, Lanning said this before that, you know, when you've got a brother next to you, that's when you're going to go, you know, that extra 2% to try and, um, you know, either make the play for him or help him make the play, whatever it is. But like you said, these are not things that we see. I mean, we see pictures on social media every now again about them playing cornhole together or having a water fight after practice or whatever. But um, it's just, it's, it's really tough to actually know how much that helps. You talk to all the players, you talk to the coaches, they love um, all of their time hanging out. They love their get real sessions and kind of finding out about each other's why, about each other's story and, um, finding out why everyone is there and why everyone wants to succeed together. But um, yeah, I, I think that that's a, a really unheralded part of Dan Lanning's coaching ability and part of his tenure in Eugene, that he's kind of brought that connectivity between everyone and really brought that to Eugene. Um, I don't want to say that, you know, Mario Cristobal or, or Mark Halfrech or anyone before them didn't have that, but it was not as pronounced. It was not as out in the open. Um, and Lanning has seemed to bring that to the forefront uh, the players are loving it. So I, I think it's working going forward. I don't have any reason to believe that it's not. So We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talking with Zach Neal of USA Today's Duckwire. He's also the host of the Scoing Long podcast. Uh, Zach, we're, we're right around the midway mark uh, in our little preview of Oregon versus uh, Portland State. Um, I know Zach's got uh, some other stuff going on today, but I just wanted to let you guys know in the live chat here, we're seeing some questions, so maybe I'll stay along after uh, Zach's got to get out of here to answer some of those questions. So if you guys have a mailbag question, 
go ahead and throw it in the comments for me, please. And I'll do my best to get to it. Um, but back to the preview here, Zach, um, you talked about how this game is almost more about Oregon than it is Portland state. Um, we talked a little bit about the offensive line, which I think it's only reasonable to expect them to take a step back from a year ago, but I think they're still going to be really good. Um, we can talk, maybe let's talk a little bit about the, uh, pass rush. Cause that's, uh, that's a facet of the game that Oregon fans are certainly hot about after last season. But I personally think that they really have the weapons to take it up a notch. Yeah, I think they, they really addressed that this last year, both in the portal and via the recruiting cycle. Um, obviously, Jordan Birch is the number one name that comes to everyone's mind. He was the the top transfer in the portal when he entered, a former five-star guy at South Carolina who really, really came on for the Gamecocks last year. And Lanning saw him available, and he grabbed him. So I think that there's a lot of confidence that he can come in and be that Kayvon Thibodeau-type pass rusher. Um, and, you know, well, he's got the body type and he's got the, you know, the skills to be able to do that. It's just kind of about him finding that confidence and realizing that he can be that complete game wrecker. On the other side, I think that he's going to have, that Birch is going to have a big role in kind of freeing up Brandon Dorless as well. Um, and the rest of that defensive line, there's, they're going to provide a lot of mismatches in the trenches. There's really, really good defensive linemen, not even just on the ends. I mean, you got, um, Popo Almavai, who was among the best defensive linemen in the country before he got injured. Uh, he was out for all last season, so I know he was a huge returner this year. Um, Casey Rogers has also put on a ton of size. He's well over 300 pounds now. Um, they should be, you know, complete forces in the middle, and I think that they're going to gonna wreak a lot of havoc in those trenches. And then you talk about some of the young guys, too. Um, Mateo Uyunglele is someone who everybody just raves about in practice. He does not look like a true freshman. The size on him, the skills that he has, um, I think that if I, if I were to pick a, a freshman that could have a big impact this year, not just in blowout situations, I think he might be among them. Um, so, yeah, the, just across the front line, I think that Dan Lanning has noticed that that was probably one of the weaker areas on the roster last year, and he did a really good job of building that up this offseason. Yeah, Casey Rogers is someone that I think is is super underrated for Oregon, and definitely they're fortunate that they're able to get him back. Um, and I think that Jordan Birch is is probably the most hyped guy that they got out of the transfer portal. So just being able to see him in a duck uniform outside of the spring game, like what he's able to do, just unleash that guy. I think that's going to be super super fun. Uh, I think the the combination of production and experience that they return on the interior is going to take uh, this defense to the next level in terms of just occupying more of the offensive line's attention. Like just having a couple of different dudes uh, at the edge spots that can really make a difference and and uh, give you some fits, I think is just going to help take this group to the next level. And I think when we're looking at where Oregon can improve as a defense from year one to year two under Dan Lennon and Tosh Lapoy, it really starts with the pass rush because that's going to make things just flow that much better for them because you kind of have question marks at both levels behind them. You don't really know what that linebacker core is going to look like too much outside of Jeffrey Bossa um, with Jamal Hill moving down and Justin Jacobs possibly a little bit banged up. Devin Jackson is a guy who's been garnering a lot of buzz in camp. And then that secondary is, is uh, one big unknown for me, just so many guys there, but um, have to see what's going to happen. Probably a couple of vets that could be getting pushed pretty hard for their spots. Yeah, it, it's just interesting how 
all three of those levels, they really work in tandem. You know, I mean, the secondary got a lot of blame last year, and I think somewhat rightfully so because they were not a perfect unit last year. They definitely could have been better, but, you know, a lot of that, you know, struggle on them was because there was such a lack of a pass rush as well. So I'm curious to see, you know, if you were to, I know this, this couldn't happen in reality, but if you were to take last year's secondary and put it behind a defensive line like this year that was more successful, how much better could that defense have been overall? Because it, it's just crazy that unlike the offense, I know the offense still works in tandem as well, but um, the defense really has to be good as a whole and you can't really have any weak units or, or other positions are going to struggle a lot. Um, you're talking about the secondary. I think that's a, a really good, fascinating point because, yeah, there are a couple long-standing starters. You got Brian Addison, Steve Stevens, um, guys that are really going to be pushed for their spots this year. I mean, Dan Lanning and, and Coach Neat and Coach Hampton, they went to the transfer portal and they got guys that they think can play. They got guys like Tysheem Johnson, Evan Williams, Nico Reed, guys that they think can come in and start and be productive for them. So if Steve Stevens and Addison want to play the, want to see the field a lot and play starters minutes, they're going to have to earn it. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the quarterback room shakes out. Um, I really can't wait to see the the nickel star position because that's it's interesting the names that you hear who've kind of been rotating and playing over there. You've got Nico Reed from Colorado, who I expected to be a cornerback. I think most people expect to be a cornerback. He's apparently been working a lot at the star. Uh, Julio Florence working a lot at the star, moving inside. Cole Martin, another freshman, uh, the son of Coach Demetrius Martin, working a ton at the star, who I think had one of the best spring games of anyone. Um, I can't wait to see how big of an impact he has as a freshman. So, yeah, there's guys littered throughout that secondary, but it's going to be fun to see where they play and how they play together. Yeah, Nico Reed, I think, was uh, was one of those uh, additions for Oregon that uh, came a little late in the uh, transfer portal <laughs> cycle, if you want to call it that, but is really a guy that I think has a, a real shot to, to make an impact this year, largely in part because of the familiarity that you have uh, there with uh, Demetrius Martin and just a guy that they were able to go to the portal and say, hey, I know that's a dude, that's one of my guys, um, was pretty productive during his time at Colorado. So I think that that doesn't necessarily excite a lot of people coming from Colorado, seeing that they've been the, the doormat of the Pac-12 uh, in recent <laughs> years. But um, but hey, I mean, if you can get those good guys, he's clearly someone that's, uh, that's worth taking. We're going to get to the predictions here in just a sec, Zach, but there was one kind of interesting – um, little recruiting related question that I wanted to pick your brain about um, as far as uh, some of these transfer guys. Um, really, it kind of just comes down to Oregon getting some of these guys from the SEC, whether you're looking at Tyshim Johnson from Ole Miss or Kyrie Jackson from, from Alabama. It really feels to me like it's an opportunity for Oregon to kind of close the gap when it comes to recruiting and just taking that next step as a program because you're getting guys that maybe you typically wouldn't get, you know, Oregon doesn't find themselves in a lot of direct recruiting battles with Ole Miss, certainly heavily in the, in the mix with, with the Alabamas of the world. But how do you think getting these sec guys kind of a second time around um, Jordan Birch, another perfect example, right? Lanning recruited him. How do you think that's going to really affect Oregon in the big picture? I think it's huge. I mean, that's something that we've really seen start to, to transition a little bit under landing. And we saw the, the, beginning of it with Willie Tiger years ago and then it kind of grew under Mario Cristobal that Oregon could recruit at this national level and Lanning has kind of taken that baton and run with it and like you said you see the Ducks in recruiting battles with Alabama's and Georgia's you see Oregon going into to Mississippi and getting someone like Dante Dowdell 
over Ole Miss, his his home school team or his uh, home state team. I mean, um, it's it's been interesting to see, and I think yeah, as after you get a few years of this kind of track record and this talent build up, you'll see Oregon start to compete with some of the big schools. And once we get into a, an expanded college football playoff, and you get um, you know they're they're at the table more than they are now. I think you'll see them stand up against some of these top schools. And what I'm really curious to see is how it works with the move to the Big Ten as well. I mean, you've got – it's over the past decade or so, Oregon's been hurt in the recruiting game because they were not as as nationally seen by all of these recruits. They were playing most of their games on the Pac-12 network and playing after, you know, the entire East Coast goes to bed oftentimes. But now it's going to change next year. Once you start playing on Fox and CBS and NBC and having more daytime games – um, I'm really curious to see how that affects recruits. I know that you got the great quote from Dakota Fields a few weeks ago that he said that, yeah, that was a, a big key in my recruitment and in my flip from USC that once they went to the Big Ten, that's kind of all I needed to know because now they're on that same level. So um, I think as we go forward, we'll start to see that type of trend a little bit more with some of these recruits because Oregon does not really have much working against them anymore. They, for a long time, the Pac-12 was kind of hurting them a little bit, but I think that's going to change. Yeah, so it kind of feels like it's uh, evening the playing field or leveling the playing field a little bit, which sounds kind of crazy because I think a lot of the lower tier schools wouldn't really think that that's the case. Like they kind of struggle to recruit and Oregon's always been able to do that. But that's a, another separate conversation for maybe another episode. But let's get into uh, let's get into our predictions for uh, this week's game. Uh, Oregon taking on Portland State. How about we start with uh, with your prediction? I'm going to put you on the spot, and then we can kind of have some concluding thoughts as we eye the weekend. So I've seen a lot of people saying, you know, they want to see. I saw someone in the chat said like 72 to nine, which yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. Um, I think that Oregon's going to be a little bit lower than that on the scoring end, just because I think that you know once once they get up at half by you know 30 or so points, I think they they're probably going to pull a lot of their starters and let some of the young guys get the work. I think in the end, I'm going to go somewhere around like 56 to 13. Um, what I'm more focused on, I don't, I know this offense can score points. I'm not worried about them being able to put up games with uh, 40 or more points throughout the season, but I really want to see this defense allow less than 17, 20 points or something like that. I think that's how I would measure success. Um, if you can keep Portland State to single digits, awesome. If you can keep them under two touchdowns, that's great. Um, but I, I just don't want it to be like a, like USC last week um, against San Jose State, where, yes, they scored 56 points and they got a blowout, but they allowed 28 points, and you still have some question marks on defense. Oregon has so many questions on defense after last year that I think if they came out and were dominant and they really stifled Portland State uh, offensively, I think that would be a, a massive success. Totally, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to have too much of a differentiation on this uh, score prediction, Zach. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go, like, I was thinking around 13 for Portland State, maybe like 59 to 13 or 62 to 13 um, for Oregon. Um, maybe a little tricky to see them putting up that big of a number, like you said, because they might pull some starters. And this is the first game of the year, um, even because last year they dropped a 70 piece on uh, Eastern Washington. And I wasn't expecting it to be quite that ugly. But either way, we're both expecting some serious blowouts. Zach's going to be uh, at the game. Uh, in Eugene, but um, I know we got to get you out of here, Zach. So wanted to give you a chance to uh, let the people know where they can find you and, and the awesome work you're doing in this space. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. You can find me at duckswire.usatoday.com. 
Uh, follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. Like Max said, I will be at the game uh, tweeting the coverage, you know, talking to coaches and players afterwards. So we'll have all of our content up there. Right on, right on. So make sure you guys tap in with Zach and uh, catch up with all the work that he's doing. But wanted to say thanks again, Zach, for coming on. And uh, we'll have to have you back uh, another time in the near future. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Anytime.